Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Christy. And we're angel investors in Budapest, working together on Fintech Factory, an early stage fintech investment fund backed by MKB Bank. Each month, we get together to talk about investments and innovation in the financial sector and beyond with experts from around the world. We're excited to have Zahur Rahimtullah with us today. Zahur is a fintech entrepreneur passionate about solving large systemic problems through human-centered technological innovation. He's also done time at a big bank. He spent five years at Barclays working on a stealth internal venture, helping develop new digital business lines, promote innovation and drive returns through a combination of organic build-out, commercial partnerships, and venture investments. Itching to get back into the startup world, Zahur left Barclays about six months ago to start working on his own fintech startup, which he'll tell us more about in today's podcast. Welcome, Zahur. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Mary. It's great to be here. All right. So you spent about five years at Barclays. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up there and what your role was. Sure. So I moved to the UK in 2013, originally for business school. And at the end of that, I I had this sort of itch to do something in the startup community. So I set up a company with the intention of really helping startups like solve problems as they grow and scale and realized that there was a gap in the market where startups were struggling with distribution. And at the same time, there were corporates trying to innovate. So there was really an opportunity to help startups access corporates and vice versa. So I set up a company and a platform to basically facilitate that open innovation and collaboration And Barclays was one of my first customers. And at the time, it was just at the early innings of when PSD2 was a big deal and was just starting to become a thing. And um, So for people who, because we're hoping we'll have some listeners, not just from the fintech space. So can you just say a couple words about what is PSD2 and why is that a big deal? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, PSD2, the intent of sort of PSD2 was basically, it's it's a regulation around electronic payment services. And the intent was to make payments more secure in Europe, boost innovation and help banking services adapt to new technologies. And a key part of that was recognizing that there was an important role for APIs and as, as a kind of key enabler in that ecosystem. And, and so open banking really has been about driving that shift. So Barclays was one of your first or one of your clients at your company that was trying to facilitate, you know, collaborations between startups. So they got to kind of try it before they bought it, right? (laughs) Basically, yeah. One of the things that sort of emerged through that process was Barclays really wanted to set up their API business. And because I I was effectively the guy that was helping them connect with the broader ecosystem, they brought me in to set up that business because it, it went from becoming like a, a a sort of a sort of side activity or like a, a small project to like a, a an actually an institutional component in their infrastructure. So they they wanted me to set, help set up that business and and then yeah and then I I helped set that business up and then moved on to actually pitching an idea to launch and launch a new uh, fintech venture, which is what I what I, what I was working on before COVID happened. And can you tell us anything about that venture or are you under NDA? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not in the market yet and it's got uh, been sort of slightly de- de- delayed launch, so I can't speak too much about it. But the, the idea was really about sort of proving out uh, that a bank can launch fintechs, you know, and sort of the way a startup does and, and, and actually serve customer needs in the same way. And many banks have done that, and uh, but it's obviously harder for 
a, a really large institution like Barclays to be able to, to sprint the way startups sprint. Right, right. Yeah, coming back to, I guess, PSD2 first. So Christy and I were talking about this before you joined in and just, you know, that banks kind of have, what I've seen is banks have kind of one of two approaches to PSD2. Either they want you know, they think it's a cool idea and they're kind of on board and they want to be, they're more forward looking and want to try to take advantage of what this could mean in terms of, you know, building partnerships and kind of a marketplace, or they're kind of dragged into it, kicking and screaming and, you know, just do the bare minimum, you know, to kind of fulfill the regulation, but they're kind of hoping nobody comes near them and, you know, making it more and more difficult to get, you know, for TPPs to get licenses and even work with the data. I feel like Barclays is, you know, positioned itself as one of these forward-looking banks. I mean, just by setting up your team, right, and trying to do the kind of things that yeah. you were doing. Maybe you can just kind of speak to that a little bit. Like, do you feel, you know, because they were maybe a, a little bit ahead in terms of, you know, having having a team and kind of thinking about these ideas. But what do you feel like, you know, now that it's now that PSD two is online? <laughs> Do you think that, you know, it hasn't been this huge rush of kind of open banking success stories or use cases, but maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Like, are there companies that are starting to take advantage of this or what are the most interesting things that you've seen so far? Sure. Yeah. I mean, bringing about change in any industry is hard. Bringing about change in financial services industry is even harder because ultimately you're dealing with money. And you're dealing with uh, people's livelihoods. And so you have to uh, take a lot more, you know, you have to take a lot more effort in ensuring that you educate and protect customers' interests. And so, so, uh, so I think, and obviously the regulator also plays an important role in ensuring that it's done in the right way. And so, so that's why you see a slower speed when it comes to actually getting some of these ideas off the ground compared to say other markets. In terms of, in terms of obviously consumer awareness and, and adoption, most people don't really understand the technicalities around all of this. Uh, ultimately, all they care about is like, how does it make their lives better? And so it, it, it's unlikely that many people will, there, there's certainly a role for institutions to educate customers about like, you know, what this means for them and what the, how is it uh, going to make their lives better? And I think there's, that's, that's hasn't happened necessarily as widely as it should be. Mm -hmm. But having said that, in the industry, there are a lot of companies that are, you know, trying things out and experimenting to make it with the intent of making uh, people's lives better. And so this comes from like sort of very basic things to like trying to improve the ex customer experience to, uh, you know, trying to find ways to more better model risk as well as, you know, reduce fraud and other things that uh, are sort of important barriers to enabling access to financial services at scale. And, and so uh, a couple of use cases that, you know, that I can sort of think of is lending. So for instance, you know, Barclays has a collaboration with an aggregator called Money Supermarket, where sort of in the phase, you know, in, at its sort of present time, it's focused on people who have a current account with the bank. But Anybody that's a banking customer can now access basically a pre-approved lending limit on an aggregated website as they are sort of browsing that website looking for a loan. And so that's a big shift in, in access to financial uh, access to financial products for somebody that would otherwise have to, in a sort of pre-sort of open banking world, either have to go to the local branch or, or check their local banking app or 
or have to walk into or call the call the local brown shop. So it's 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 connecting digital experiences and making it easier for the customer to be able to get what they need across the across the digital estate. That's one example. There's many others. There are financial management services that you can do where you can you know leverage open banking to aggregate financial data, which again is something that's important to be able to do any analysis of that financial data. And many people don't have their financial data in just one location. So it ends up being disaggregated. And so, you know, doing any intelligent analysis on that uh, <laughs> is also difficult as a result of it. And, and you know, it's also quite painful because most people won't enter information into an application. So, uh, you know, by enabling access to financial data, you open up the possibility of doing intelligent analysis on top of it. So that's another example. Yeah. And Zahur, so, so Mary mentioned in the intro that you left Barclays about yeah. six months ago. So, and, yeah. and it sounds like, you know, you're getting back to your startup roots. So what can you tell us about, you know, the new fintech that you're building and launching in India? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, what happened is my dad fell ill and I had to rush to India during the first wave. And that just gave me some time to reflect on on where I am in my journey and what I was seeing around me in the country. And I saw kind of two things. I saw that there being um, one on one hand, I saw that there's and this is this has been something I've lived with. It's been a lived experience. But on one hand, I saw there being obviously an environment where you have a high Gini coefficient. And what that is, is basically uh, high income disparity. And so uh, you have people who live a good quality of life and have an adequate safety net. And there's many who, who don't. And on the, on the flip side, I saw some, some structural changes happening in the financial services ecosystem there, similar to what is happening and has been happening in Europe, but I saw it accelerating at light speed. And so Mm -hmm. what I realized is actually there is an opportunity really to build solutions that can enable the masses to get better access to financial services and get better quality products and, and that are cheaper than what they've ever been before. And so it really came down to thinking about what was the best way to do that. And then, you know, through the process, I saw, you know, a couple, I saw a model that I sort of interacted with in, in some of the markets outside of India are doing well. And this is the sort of model of helping people access their salary on demand as a way to smooth their income and expenses and manage mm-hmm. expenses better, but, but with, and, and reducing their de- dependency on high cost debt and, and, and realize that there was actually an opportunity to bring that same solution to the market and, you know, help people through by providing that. So that's really what the startup's about. It's at its core. It's, it's really about reducing people's financial stress and improving their financial health, but providing something that enables them to, you know, reduce their dependency on high cost debt initially, but then over time building a pathway towards like improving their financial resilience through a, a series of other value added services. And, and how, and, and how the model differs is that we actually partner with employers as opposed to going direct to consumer. So it's a B2B2C play. Mm-hmm. And the I- I- idea behind that is, you know, by building an embedded finance platform, you will, you get access to better data. You are able to, uh, lower your risk, improve, reduce fraud and empower your users in a way that 
the sort of traditional model just doesn't enable you to do that and and that just it helps to you know helps to provide a better model to deliver financial services at scale it has its own set of challenges but uh, it's proven to be quite effective mm-hmm. and where are you now with the developments it's very early stages i'm, I'm hopefully going to launch in market you know obviously i don't know if you've been following the news in india but things have been a little bit you know india has been badly affected yeah um, yeah unfortunately wave. yeah so so right now i just sort of it's it's in you know just waiting for for some of the you know crisis to you know dissipate a bit and things to normalize before launch so hopefully in Q3 of this year you know when it comes to your physical health your heart is really uh, important in maintaining your physical health and improving your physical health and when you compare that to your financial health cash flow is really the heart of your financial health and so the reason why we are starting off with a proposition focused on helping people manage their liquidity is because we believe that uh, many people are struggling with that today and that really helps improve their financial health it becomes a starting point to improve their financial health and then you can do more things around it so that was the analogy yeah um, and just like with yeah. your physical health you can have kind of a fitness coach and and you can be your service will be like a financial coach kind of a personal trainer for your finances something like exactly. that <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah and and i mean the yeah exactly so the idea is because everybody's at a different stage in their journey in their physical health journey and at different stages they 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 sort of go through ebbs and flows right so if you compare yourself at at sort of over a one year period you have different sets of problems or issues to deal with when it comes to your physical health similarly with your financial health it's the same thing and so you what do you really what most people really need is just a little bit of support just a little bit of coaching just 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 knowing that there's somebody there to help them through that journey now uh, it's really hard to actually provide that support or it has been very hard to provide that support at scale to to you know to the average person but now with 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 the Uh, latest shifts and trends in the marketplace has become much easier to do that now than was ever before. So you said that you left Barclays primarily because your father was ill, but is there any were there any other reasons or was it, were you also kind of feeling like maybe it was time for you to get back into the startup world? Yes, uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean my hypothesis was initially when I started engaging with Barclays was that the way to really drive sustainable change would be to you know change the system from within and uh, obviously that's a huge undertaking and uh, when you look at uh, a bank like Barclays or any big financial institution really there's there's, there's so many forces or any incumbent there's many things that prevent that system from disrupting itself mm-hmm. right and some of it is product on technology but most of it is mindset and uh, and so while i think i was able to um drive change i felt that was incremental and it wasn't something that was leaving me satisfied fully with like the pace at which i was able to drive that change or the magnitude of that change and and maybe you know m- maybe if the time was different or circumstances were different it could have been a different outcome but uh, what i realized is that it was actually an uphill battle and so so i you know i just reflected on my hypothesis and, and the data and the learnings from that and realized that maybe i needed to in, that val- hypothesis was invalidated that actually it wasn't in that particular instance 
easy to do it because of it wasn't possible to drive the kind of change I wanted to drive because of uh, a number of factors. And so I, I went back to the drawing board and then I realized that actually, if you think about the system as a whole, the people who care most about the the everyday person, the organization, if you look at types of entities, it's the employer uh, that cares the most, more than say financial institution would, or more than the government would, mm. right? So then I realized that actually, if I could create a model whereby I can uh, create a uh, create a way where the employers incentivize to help their employees, you know, improve their financial health, that could actually be a much easier win and uh, far more sustainable solution. And that's how I landed up at what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, and it sounds like you you really want to do something impactful. Was it important for you to set up the business in India? Yes, quite frankly, this is a global need, right? Like at the, at the highest level, like if you think about how many people are financially healthy, first of all, there isn't even an understanding of what that means, right? At a, like there isn't a common understanding of like what what is a good financial health. You know, most people use sort of traditional credit scoring models to determine like how financially healthy they are, but I feel they're a little outdated. And designed by you know the the entities that are just looking at protecting their risk effectively. So uh, when it comes to financial health, you have ninety percent of the world today that has less than a hundred thousand in net worth, right? So we have a long way to go before we we basically where most of the world's population is is financially healthy and are able to basically live a life uh, that they desire. This is exacerbated in in markets uh, that are less developed and India is one of them. And if you look at in terms of size and scale, we've got over a billion people. It's a, a big, good, good place to start. It's a big need basically in that market. And I know that market well. I've born there. I have a connection to it. And so that's why I decided, yeah, exactly. You picked that as a starting point. Yeah, I hear what you're saying too about the challenges of trying to bring innovation or develop meaningful customer solutions at a big bank or any any big corporate. I think this is definitely, you know, it's hard. Do you have any advice or what's your advice for banks or, or any corporates that are trying to innovate? I think you can be very pragmatic about it. So I think there's a tendency for people to romanticize this stuff and then get a little bit stuck in that. And so it ends up being a never-ending series of conversations and story and, and less action. My suggestion really with these things is, is to basically, you know, be clear. Like every every entity has a different sort of strategy around their business and what their goals are. But once you're clear on your goals, then you uh, have to just set up like an, an enabling framework to support that goal. And so, what I mean by that is 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 having the right infrastructure, the right uh, funding, the right tools, the right people to be able to make that happen. And so, so I think that the people who are serious about it, about, you know, innovating should treat it that way and then just let the data do the talking. Uh, and, you know, time and again, you see these examples of, you know, startup companies attacking fintechs. And, and I think where we are right now is attacking corporates mm -hmm. and where we are right now is, is that there's an opportunity for people to collaborate more than there has been before. And, and so. It's less about competition and more about actually, you know, working together and, and solving problems together and, and sharing value from that in the process. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, trying to team up to 
make sure everything is, you know, compliant. And I, I feel like the biggest, a lot of the issues in the corporate are just about the, you know, making sure you're, you're, you know, checking all the boxes and you're handling customer data securely. And, you know, it's, it's a very risk averse culture, yeah, which makes sense, you know, but yeah, being able to kind of leverage the, the speed and agility of a startup, but while still, you know, meeting all the regulations and the compliance side, I think somehow <laughs> teaming up, getting the, the brightest minds, you know, working on, on those kind of things makes sense. Uh, for a big corporation, it's a lot of time to just focus, mm-hmm. you know, that's why startups win more than anything. And so if, if a corporate just wants to like do something good, just focus and figure out like where to focus and then just double down on that, I would say. A lot of time it ends up being spray and pray and that's where yeah. things, things, <laughs> things then get lost. See what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but sometimes, you know, like some organizations have to maybe just acknowledge that they're not going to be an innovator. And they're just going to be a fast follower. And so their whole strategy is designed just to be a fast follower, right? And so there's the, the partnerships in that model look very different because then you're basically looking at, you know, startups proving the mark models out, getting to some a scale and then collaborating with a large entity. Mm. So, so, you know, it's, there isn't one way to do this ultimately. It's just about figuring out what's right for each organization. I think it's a very exciting time in the industry because I think there's a greater appetite now more than ever to create solutions that can uh, help people. In the next 10 years, the financial services landscape will look dramatically different to what it does today. And that's really exciting. Cool. So, Hoor, this was great. Good luck to you and your new venture. I think you definitely are on to something. And we look forward to seeing, yeah, hearing the details when, when you launch. And, and yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank oh, you no, so thank much. You for, <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad to be here. And, and I hope you guys stay well and healthy. You too. You too. And keep us posted. <laughs> Yeah. I will. I will definitely. We got there's a beer with your name on it in Budapest the next time you can we can when we can all travel <laughs> and get out get together. Excellent. I'll take you up on that. <laughs>